Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. All right, Hal Swayze, my friend, thanks so much for being on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Sam. Always a pleasure to see you. Absolutely. I'm glad you're doing well, getting through coronavirus okay. And yep. um, I know you probably haven't missed a beat, but I'm excited to talk to you about uh, what you've been doing for the last few months. I have my mask. Got your mask. I'm Very ready. good. Yeah. I, was, I got this really bad military haircut that I did not ask for the other day, and I was forced to wear a mask. And that's the first mask I've put on through all of coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My hair was super long. No, actually, today <laughs> is June. What is today? The 19th? 18th. We just got a notice from our governor that we we're supposed to wear these indoors all the time. So uh -huh. this is where I'm going to wear mine. There you go. There you go. I love the people there where there's one person in the car and they're driving with a mask on. It's like uh -huh. they're going to infect their, themselves somehow by not wearing yeah. a mask. Yeah, anyway. Gotta love it. Well, let's skip to the, the reason yeah. I, I really want you to be on the show. You've been an inspiration in my career for years now. You're a top producing realtor in San Luis Obispo, and, uh, which is you're one of the top realtors in California. Just a, a stellar realtor, stellar guy, good buddy. And I really wanted to talk to you about your mindset and what you've been doing the last few months and as far as your business goes through this coronavirus shutdown. Yeah. When it first happened, it was like, what's going on? And I have a tendency to think just being in real estate, I guess, let me back up. Being with Mike Ferry all these years, you learn to deal with a lot of things that happen. And Mike was a great sounding board. I looked at the situation. I was traveling to Mexico when this was just starting and there were a few yeah. people wearing masks and I was on vacation and we're out and, and, and I didn't even think twice of it. And I saw some people wearing masks and I always think of people in China that wear masks because the air yeah. quality is so bad. That's so the flu, right? yeah, I don't know. Or no, to just breathe the air, I think is why they wear them. I really don't know. There was some trepidation a little bit in the beginning, but I went, oh, okay, I'm going to have to go to work. And I, I mm -hmm. did work from home for two days and where I live in the county, I think you couldn't show houses for 10 days. Mm -hmm. So that part was tricky. I think right now we have, we're just past 90 closed and pending and we'll probably hit hundred by June. And I think that might be the fastest I've ever got to hundred. Right? <laughs> so it was more about while we were shut down, some people in my office here, they would work from everywhere to work from home. I worked from home for two days and I went, I'm totally ineffective. I'm coming to my office, small little 1700 square foot craftsman style house that's been turned to an office. And I could get things done, but right. logistically it was hard. So it was more physical than mental for me, honestly. Okay. There were some times when I went, oh, is the net worth of everything I own going to go down by 50% here or what? Sure. And that was more a concern. But mm, the rest of it was just more re-navigating how to be an agent. So I, it didn't really get too much in my head. That's awesome, man. And, and so I just want to reiterate something you just said. You've gotten to 100 sales for the year of 2020 faster than you ever have in any other year? The most I've ever done was 197. So we just, about a month ago, we went, oh, shoot, we could be, when are we going to hunt 100? So we have a little pool on my team. So I put mm -hmm. some money up. So I said June 30th. Some people said a little earlier, some a little later. So 
yeah, I, I think if we get to 100 close and pending, that will be pretty close to that track. That was my best year ever, 197. Awesome. Yeah. So shutdown, coronavirus, riots haven't really affected the people that are still just working hard and providing great services. And I love it. And I love your mindset. And I love the fact that you only stayed home for two days because I think a lot of people have just used it as an excuse. They're using it for time off and then they're going to look at their bank accounts in a couple of months and freak out and blame it on coronavirus. But I love your mindset. And you're right, Mike Ferry and his training and coaching. And I took a, a listing today, 60 condos. And one of the things that's on my why you should hire Sam Newell is I pay a Mike Ferry coach to keep me mentally strong and on my game every month. And I think that's one thing that's helped you and a lot of these other big time realtors that I interview is just an amazing coach. Yeah. And I... We have a guy that we know in common in the mastermind group, and he, I always forget which arm, branch of the army he was in. He's been in a war. He was a Marine. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm driving down the street going, well, okay. In my county, one person has died. Mm-hmm. One 80-year-old person that had, and that's been over, what, three or four months. I don't know what that right. is. But I had to support the people around me mentally because I said, nobody's shooting at us. It is a serious thing. People will die from this like they die from anything. And I'm not trying to make light of what happened. But it's not like people are shooting at us. But as I walk down the street or drive to my office, it's, there's no dead bodies on the road. Mm-hmm. But if we were looking at their minds, they're bleeding out. Wow. And I say, this was like, this is like a war, but up here, not for, we do everything I can to stay healthy, but yeah. that, that's what I saw. So it, it was a lot to be there for them, to get people that work with me to not be panicking and, and so forth and just keep taking action and be smart to take action. I love it. I love it. We have a hotel that we just sold and we put it up for sale in the middle of the shutdown and people started sending in lowball offers. And I said to my partner, we're going to get this price and I'm going to force it to happen. I don't care. Like I'm not taking a discount because of coronavirus and we tripled our money and we did it in the middle of the shutdown. We're closing next week. So (laughs) it is awesome. I love it. We actually ended up getting, um, quarantine people. So we, I reached out to the state and the city and I said, Hey, I've got this hotel that's now down to 8% occupancy. Why don't we fill it with quarantine people? And I said, Oh, great. We've been looking for a place to put them. So we and then went to hundred percent occupancy. It, it's been great, but it oh, you, our- you actually rented out the rooms to people that needed a quarantine. Yeah. So there's Brilliant. people that were tested that didn't want to go home and, and right. I get it. They don't want to go get their if they live with parents right. or they live with a family member who's a high risk, yep. all of a sudden the state said, no, we, we actually appreciate that. That'll alleviate pressure on our hospitals. Don't go get your family sick. Go stay at Sam's hotel. We'll pay for it, by the way. And so we would have people anywhere from three to 14 days at our hotel. Wow. We provided meals for and quarantined them. And That and, is awesome. Um, Yeah. So uh, silver lining for sure. We lost a a bunch of money in March, but made it all back in April and May. That's great. Um, Or excuse me, May and June. But anyways, I love your mindset. I think that's huge. As an investor, as a realtor, I feel like our biggest asset is helping our clients and our investors and the people we work with have the right mindset and look at things the right way. And I know you do the same thing to your clients. So let's transition into that. How do you take your strong mindset and and transition that into being a good realtor and taking care of these clients that come back to you. And you have an amazing, booming business with a ton of referral business. So how does that benefit your clients? 
Yeah, obviously uh, this is a, a big deal and there's a lot of changes going on in the world, in the country, but you just, you have to be, it was good for me because I'm all about, I just love getting the deal done and I'm not much to chat about it or whatever. So it really helped me to be a little bit more versatile. Ed Kaminsky used the word care calls, just checking with people. Cause you know, there were a lot of people that were very scared and nervous and I get that. So it's being able to listen to them and then give them a little bit of hope. And I do about once a month, I'll send out an email to my, you know, subscribers. We got eight or 9,000 people that get our little email I, on the market. I get update. that. Okay. So you see it. Mm-hmm. And I think one time, one of the first times I sat in this room where we record it and just basically said, Hey, I get it. This is serious. And then fireside chat, I go, I got to slow down a little bit. Just talk about, this is how we're managing things. And you got to give people hope. And through this whole thing, I would just say, Hey, last week, just we had a hundred properties going to escrow in our County. Right now, our market's really good. People have no idea. It's surprising me how strong the market is. I'm benefiting from a great market. I can't take enough good listings. It's, awesome. it's who would have thought, but we were prepared for it. And then people need to hear that message. I love it. And, and so I love the term care calls. Actually, when the shutdown started, I was with Ed up at a ski resort in, here in Utah. Yeah. And they kicked us out the next day. They said, nope, everyone's got to go home. So that was interesting. We, and we knew it was serious as well. We were just like, how serious is this going to get? I was up there at dinner with yeah. them and next day skiing, everyone's got to go home. And they yeah. kicked us out. But yeah, be the calm in the storm, Mike Ferry says, right? Be Only that influence. calming factor in your transactions always. Yeah. That's one way a good realtor provide, pr- provides a lot of value is knowing what to do and then calming his clients down, giving them hope. But in a situation like this as well. And you invest in real estate. I invest in real estate. Our Cincinnati deal, that was at 97% occupancy. And the least calming people in this storm has been the lenders right? claiming it's the end of days, not wanting to close that deal. We're supposed to close early next week now. So they said, no, we're going we're gonna to wait and see how this turns out, which was fine. And it's turned out really well because we have three hospitals close by and Amazon building $1.5 billion air hub. But it was, I was grateful to Mike and people like you and Ed talking about calming your clients down and just staying strong mentally. And it's been fun interviewing you guys as well. The next thing I wanted to talk about is just the huge inspiration you've been. I've looked up to you as a realtor and, and a business person for years. And I remember, man, I don't know what year it would have been. 2013, maybe you're up on stage with Mike Ferry. You talked about some vacations you took with your kids. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about those awesome, and I would call them more than vacations, sabbaticals right. you took with your family and, and tell us about them and, and why you did it. Sure. So when my kids were in seventh and eighth grade, I've got two boys. We had been planning for a while to take some time off. So we actually planned a trip from basically September of 2007 till about June of 2008. So it took nine months off, school year off, and it was fun. I, I wasn't sure. My business at the time, I was probably selling between 50 and 70 homes a year. And so I said, okay, can I leave the country to begin with? So you got to imagine back then, just it was like dial-up internet. Yeah. How do you pay your bills online? It was a little different. Yeah. And I was not cutting edge in that respect. So we spent our first 11 weeks, we just did a little trial run not leaving the country. And we took an RV and towed some cars and a bunch of bikes and went 8,500 miles from the central coast of California up through Washington, Canadian wow. Rockies, down through Montana, Yellowstone, across the plains to like Chicago and Minnesota, and then the East Coast and down through the South and Virginia and DC, and, and then came back to the South. And 11 weeks later, near Thanksgiving, we came back. And, and 11 weeks in an RV with uh, a seventh <laughs> and eighth grade, I gotta tell you, is too long, but we had yeah. a great time. Yeah. 
and then we just rebooted there. We, we had a one week layover and then we had planned out our trip. So we got around the world ticket around Thanksgiving. We spent a week at home, got resettled and we realized we can pay our bills, do everything, manage stuff. And we took off. And so we went to Sydney, Australia. So I spent a couple of weeks at the beach there, which was really nice. Then we went up to the Sunshine Coast. And I think we sent six, six weeks there. And my wife grew up surfing and our kids were into it. So she wanted to do that. Okay. And, and then we went to New Zealand for four or five weeks Oh wow! and that took us through the fall and we had Christmas there and we had some friends from the States who he retired from Microsoft. So they went on a little more extravagant trip, but we connected with them because our kids were friends Okay. and spent Christmas, you know, together in a little beach house. And, and then we, we, I'm a big college tennis player formerly. So we went to the Australian open in Melbourne for a couple of days. And then we went to Bali. Uh, which was quite a, a different change. That's just wow. about as third world as we went. Yeah. And then that was like January. So then we flew over Russia and everything and landed in Milan, Italy, because we wanted to spend some time skiing. Cause we grew up actually in, in Sun Valley, Idaho too. So yeah, so we spent six weeks in the Italian Alps, a couple of nice resorts, and then Tuscany for a month and a half, and then Spain and Mallorca and the coast of Spain. And next thing it's like middle of May and we're flying back. And because one of my sons had gone to junior high and here in California, junior high, as you go from class to class, first through sixth grade, you stay in the same class. Mm -hmm. But my younger son was a sixth grader. So he didn't know how I said how to do that. Hey, I'm going to go from this class, go to my locker, get my science book, and then go get my math book and whatever. So we put him back in for about two weeks, the last of the school year. Okay. And the hilarious part is my seventh grade son who was going, he was in seventh grade because they studied a little bit while we were traveling. Uh -huh. He couldn't believe it because they went to a pretty rigorous <clears throat> elementary school with some pretty strict teachers. Yeah. And then he shows up at junior high, which is a free for all. Mm -hmm. And it's like the last two weeks of the school and the teachers have given up on trying to have any kind of uh, control over the classroom. <laughs> and he's sitting there trying to write something and got, kids were talking to him and he's just frightened to death that they're all going to get in trouble. He yeah. had no idea. It was just way looser than what he had been spent the last four or five years in, in no. elementary school. And anyway, oh, wow. life-changing event. We had a phenomenal time. And it was really amazing because leaving was way easier than I thought okay. to leave my business. Yeah. And coming back in May, June of 2008 was way harder than I thought. I forgot how really? hard I had to work. You're in the middle of a recession, right? The, oh, yeah. I, I can smell it coming, but okay. I had no idea what was coming. So Got it. So that was our uh, little nine-month adventure. That was your second one or first one? Because uh, we just did one. one. No, just that's okay, it. You just did all one. one, just one. Yeah. Got it. Oh, I think the two was the first RV trip. That's what I remember. You did the RV okay. trip and then the world tour. Got it. Two sections. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. That's yeah. awesome, man. And, yeah. and so that's something. Your boys are off in college now, right? They're done with college. They're out working, young man, twenty-four wow. and twenty-six. Yeah. Wow, you're old, so, man. I know. <laughs> you don't look it, but, but yeah, geez. I was old when we went. Yeah. <laughs> so you came back to recession. That's got to be crazy. But man, I really like that story. And I grew up really poor, right. nothing like that. But I've envisioned something like that for my kids. Yes. My wife grew up really rich in Park City, Utah. Okay. And they did six week cruises to Italy and, and the Mediterranean when she was a kid and oh, right. a month yeah. in New Zealand. And so that she's used to that stuff. But for me, I'm thinking, man, I'd rather not buy my kid a nice car. I'd rather not buy them a bunch of toys and things. I'd rather do a house Swayze and just, or I guess Josh Barker is doing something similar right now, right. but do experiences. You've got them for 18 years. And I'm guessing those are some of the most memorable moments of being a dad. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. It's, it, it is one of the greatest memories. And, and looking back, it's like, how do we pull it off? <laughs> I'll never forget when we left our house and we paid someone to house it. Yeah. Get into this RV, which had no business driving. We rented this <laughs> RV. And, it's, and I have to tell you, Sam, this is interesting too, because all the things we're setting up all fell into place so amazingly. Huh. So for example, we're going to RV. All right. Do we buy one? Do we rent one? What size do we get? I don't know anything about these things. Yeah. And I'll never forget because we were going to rent one and we decided we want what's called a class C. So you got the over cab so the kids yeah. can sit in there because I always wanted to do that as a kid. Yeah. We were, I didn't know we were poor, but I think one of the few vacations we took when I was a young man, we went to somewhere skiing in Reno. And, and on the last day we had to leave early because my dad lost all the money at the, the table before he had lines of credit. So oh, I'm already oh, to no. ski and we had to go home early. Oh, no. So anyway, so we drive from Central Coast five hours through traffic down to Temecula where we're going to rent this RV just to check it out. We're not renting it yet. It's like the summertime. Yeah. And we get down there and we go, oh, okay, this is, this is a hassle. So we got to drive down and get it when we leave on our trip, bring it back. And then we got to load it up. It's got no pots and pans, no nothing. And I'm like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah. And we're out at dinner. We run into an escrow officer I know. We start talking about our trip and she goes, oh, we've got an RV. Oh, really? Yeah, what kind? What's a 31 foot class C? I go, that's exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. I go, well, it's going to cost us like 11 grand for 11 weeks. Yeah. Goes, oh, let me talk to my husband. So she calls us. They rented to us for like 7,000 bucks. No way. And it yeah. had the towels and it had enough we drink. So it had liquor in it. It had food, had all the pots. It was like full. It's like going to a vacation rental versus an empty house we're going to stay in. Oh, wow. And just through that, we did that. We got to use it whenever we wanted. We you know, didn't have to go to LA. And so just little things like that would happen along the way because we had just set our intention on this trip. So um, when you make those commitments, things fall into place. I love it. Yeah. And it's funny you say that. It's really fun how that worked out for you guys and sounds like it was a much better RV. But when you talk about intentions and setting goals, I've always set goals and I've always hit my goals. Like always right. when I set a big, fun, scary goal. When I was new in real estate, right about the time I met you years and years ago, I put a picture of this duplex up on my office wall and I said, I want right. to buy a duplex just like that. I'm going to house hack it, move into one side. And I'd already bought a flip and been flipping for a while. My buddy comes into the office, like, just go buy that one. Come on, dummy, just go yeah. do it. And, and it was right. funny he said that because two months later, I literally bought that exact duplex That's awesome. and made a ton of money on it. It was a great purchase, but it, it's funny how you just, you make some effort, you put things in, in motion and, and you set some goals and, and some for me, it was my buddy telling me to stop being a dummy and just go right. buy it. But for you, as your friends renting you an RV, that was just perfect for the family. Your buddy wouldn't have uh, even mentioned it if you hadn't had it on the wall or been talking about exactly. it. So it's just exactly. everything comes together when you do that. So was, that's cool. Great Absolutely. Story. And so now the goal, I've, I would shift my camera, but it'd mess everything up. I've got written right here on my office wall is have a billion dollars in holdings by 2029. That's awesome. I have two friends that have done it. They've done, gotten to a billion in holdings in less than 10 years. Wow. So I set that goal last year and uh, we just put a co property under contract today. And as we're closing that Cincinnati one here in about a week, but yeah, big, big, scary goals are definitely the way to go. So that's great. Now your kids are grown. Do you and your wife have any other travel goals? Do you guys, what are you guys planning? Yeah, on we or? travel a lot. We're going to go to the French Open tennis here in May, but they canceled that. So oh, we'll geez. go back. We like to go. We both like the ocean. So Mexico to surf or whatever it is. So yeah, I, I'm good. I enjoy working. I'm 57. So uh, to me, retirement will be about 30 hours a week. You know, <laughs> Just like I couldn't stay at home and work. I would have either, my wife would have shot me or I'm not going to get yeah. anything done. 
So yeah. that's just the way I'm wired. I like to do stuff. I feel a sense of accomplishment. But yeah, taking a, a 10 day trip is usually good. And will we take another nine month or it's possible? Yeah. It's, now it's like going three or four weeks is great. Yeah. Right? I, I, mean, I get bored, man. We did oh, yeah. a two week for my 10 year anniversary. We went to Bora. Yeah. And I was the last like f four or five days. I had to buy uh, one of those air hubs that had Verizon LTE. So oh, I could right. just work. I just, I couldn't sit there at the beach any longer. I was going to no go way. crazy. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, I, I agree. I'm at my best when I'm working. I just need small breaks now and then. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, we've talked about amazing mindset. We've talked about an amazing goal for your family that turned out awesome for you. And that's really inspired me and I'm doing it. So my goal is to do a six month vacation with my kids and then possibly a, a nine to 12 month vacation with them when my oldest is in middle school and do another one. My kids are further apart. They're four years apart. So right. we'll do probably one without the older without my daughter, uh, because she'll be in high school. I may not want to pull her out of high school. She'd probably kill me. Figured it's not a good time to have a, a hormonal teenager already mad at you as a parent and then pull her out of, out of high school. So yeah, junior high was a little tricky. Yeah. They, I remember what I was like and my kids were the same. They were better than me. Yeah. It's a little different. Plus you're trying to set, we were setting up that dynamic. We didn't know what we we're going to do. How long do they, cause they took like one had an online geometry class and the other one was doing something else with math. And then they'd write a little bit. They can knock something out in an hour or two, but we didn't have any structure. Yeah. We developed that. So probably the first three or four weeks we were button heads and then we got a little system going. Imagine you're in the Italian Alps skiing and you get up and then they got to do a little bit of math. And yeah. then we watch, I don't know what we watched, something hilarious. And so by 10 o'clock they get their stuff done. We're up skiing and they come back at the end of the day, get some cheese at the, the local guy. He's got the cows yeah. in the farm. It's just unbelievable. So that, you're, that you're sounds good to me. And, and with Zoom, thanks to coronavirus, we actually just did three months of at-home school with Heidi and my wife didn't love it. It, it worked. Oh, so we're an advantage oh, yeah. over you guys now. So we, we know we can do it. Yeah. Oh, no, but they went to, okay. So they went to Mount, Ru we went to Mount Rushmore huh. and they put a report for us. Then we go to the Vatican. We go on a tour. You can't read about that in a book. Oh right? yeah. The experience they get is plus they missed a grade of school. And they, the teacher said, no, just move to the next grade. They didn't miss a beat. They both got high grades and scholarships to college or whatever like that. So, that's awesome. but junior high to, I would say third grade to junior high, that's your window. Awesome. Yeah. We're so, planning on it, man. It, yeah, it is absolutely part of our goal. I, I love to share whatever I learned. It was one of the funnest things. Yeah. I told Josh, I said, Hey man, when you get back, let's talk. Cause I want to see, yeah. cause he's doing sailing. And then Mike Dart is right. doing his uh, riverboat tour as well with yeah. Capri. So yeah. yeah, fun stuff, fun stuff. Awesome. But, Let's talk about your real estate business. You're yes. one of the, the very top realtors that I know in the country. I know a lot of realtors and we're in the Mike Ferry network. So a lot of us are right. top producers. I've sold over a hundred homes in a year and you do it every nice. year and well over a hundred homes. But tell me about taking care of your clients and also why do people keep coming back to the House Swayze team? What's special about you guys and, and what do you do? I, I would say I was a little slower to pick it up. It took me a while to get to a hundred for sure. Part of that was just the exposure I had. And, but I would say if first I just had probably not the best approach. It was just like, I was always just looking to find deals. 
Mm-hmm. And then once I had the deal, I wasn't really that interested in following up on letting it close or doing that. So the service aspect is, ah, I didn't want to get involved in the details. So it's not that I'm more involved now, but I've set it up so that the communication's a little bit better. I used to just hand over buyers without even talking to them, get them. And then the buyer's agent would take them and they do their deal and they get a deal. And, and then I would call and say, Hey, do you want to refer me anybody? And they're like, who are you? Yeah. So I think you just have to learn to be available for the client. I, I would say I've always been disciplined. So in terms of follow-up, if I have a listing, they're going to hear from me. Yeah. So I'm really consistent on following up. Once it goes in escrow, that's where I battle. And I virtually have to have my team say, Hey, can you make the escrow calls? Fortunately, they're really good at it and we get yeah. better all the time. So like our goal is to get a hundred reviews in the year. We've got like 52 already. Nice. So that's one of our major goals. And that's from telling people that's what we're up about up to that we want to do and, and then performing on that and just letting them know. Cause if you say that they're going to you know tell you if there's an issue, just more about explaining it up front and a little bit more communication. Hey, your house is in escrow, Sam, congratulations. Just so you know, now my listing manager is going to keep working on listings and I'm going to work with my escrow manager. The buyer is going to have an inspection. There's not much for you to do. You've done your disclosures. They're going to have an appraiser. Both of them are going to feel invasive. I'm just invasive. We'll let you know right now. So uh, we'll keep those scheduled. Some surprises are going to come up. Trust me. And our house is in San Luis. They're older. You're going to have an inspection. They're going to ask for some stuff. That's going to be the biggest hurdle we're going to overcome. So when they come asking, don't be shocked. Okay, let's get through that hurdle because that's the biggest one to get you to the finish line. And just setting their expectations like that. I love it. And I think if you're a young realtor and you just listen to Hal talk about this, I want to disseminate that a little bit. These people are nervous. They're very anxious. This is in some cases, maybe they're wealthy and and this doesn't matter as much to them. But in most cases, this is a huge deal for them. When I listed my own personal home or have, I always want to list crazy high and I get really nervous when offers are coming in or when they're not coming in. And so I actually have the same kind of progression as you is, is I was not in, into my deals. I was hungry for more and more deals and I definitely dropped the ball. I'm not saying you did, but I did for sure. No, no, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and Trust I'm me. a driver. So yeah, I yeah. had to learn how to be very versatile. Thanks to Mike Ferry, thanks to brokers and coaches. And unfortunately, thanks to clients and me learning the hard way, but these are people. And so now I have so much more empathy for my client and I really actually do care. And I used to just see it as a deal. And now right. I see them as people and I try to treat them as people. And that's, I think that's where you really become a good realtor is when you can produce high numbers, but still care about your clients and provide really good service and call them and communicate right. with them. And so that's awesome. And yeah. sounds like you're doing it. So do you prospect two, three, four hours a day? Are you, are you down to two? What, what is your, average uh, my prospecting is about three hours a day and I was getting it too strung out. So my coach just put me on a, a little thing and this is, this will be good for a lot of people. I told the, uh, I have a listing manager an escrow manager and an assistant here. Uh-huh. And I said to the three of them, I go, listen, I got to, if I make 30 contacts for the day, I'm going to put 25 bucks in the kitty. Okay. If I get them done by one o'clock, then I'll put 50 bucks in the kitty. Okay. If I take 10 listings this month, then we're going to double that. And if I take 12 listings, we'll double it again. So there's four grand in the kitty. Wow. Okay. That's how much we can possibly earn. So it's mid month. I've, I missed one day at one o'clock. I got my contacts every day, which I hadn't been doing. Mm -hmm. So just accountability like that. 
fun for them. They are on it. Have you made yeah. your contacts? Is it one? Hey, you got 15 minutes, get them done. Nice. I got to tell you, cause I'm, I'm still just like hardcore Mike Ferry driven. I should be making those calls. So I would be spending four or five, five, six o'clock in the afternoon going, Oh, I got to make them up even though I'm not. And that's a horrible feeling, right? Yeah. Yeah. When they're done at noon and I got some administration, a CMA, I go on listing appointments, I go, I can leave at three o'clock if I manage my time. To me, it. that's like being on vacation. Kicking off at three, that's awesome. So that's it awesome. makes the business more fun, right? It, it really does. It's really hard for me right now because I'm focused on, I have to produce income to feed right. my family right now, but I'm so obsessed with finding multifamily deals. That's awesome. And I always get five every morning. So I'm like, oh, what time is it? You got to start right. prospecting, but I really need to analyze these five deals because one of them could be the, the next right. one we buy. So my coach keeps yelling at me for that. And I keep admitting I'm not getting my contacts in, but I, I love what you're saying because new realtors always ask me, when's the best time? Isn't the best time to call in the evening or afternoon when people are home? No, it's best to get your contacts done and move on with your, your career and your day and then go on appointments. Sounds like you're just working really hard and getting efficient with your time. It is. And, and it's not when it's best for the client. Most of the time it is, but when you make your calls, it's when it's best for you. Yeah. And it's and best it for your clients because you you're at your best in yeah. the morning, right? Let's yeah. face it before all this stuff hits the fan. And I have to tell you, so my mastermind group today, we were just talking about two things. One, what do you need to do to get where you want to go in the next 10 years and what can you not do? And to a T, so uh, there are several of us that are very far along in our real estate careers to a T what we, our weakness as real estate agents is we focus too much on earning income and doing deals and not enough on building wealth. Yeah. So we're all looking at Sam and, and going, Hey, he's got it figured out. That's smart because <laughs> well, long term. Yeah. That is the winning combination. Thank you. I appreciate it. I saw some guys. So I, I have a, I want to call him a buddy. I wish we were friends. He's more of a mentor that I talk to a couple times a year. But he was my age and he said, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start syndicating deals. I'm gonna provide a really good return for my clients. And nobody knows who he is. He just has an extremely loyal investor base. And he's at, I think, $1.7 billion in holdings. And his investors make crazy money. And he makes well over a million a month. Just outstanding guy. And and so when I saw him doing that, I'd already been interested in multifamily for a while, but I right. figured if I can sell a hundred homes a year, my best year was 106. And before I got into big into multifamily, I can just do the same thing with my Mike Ferry principles, my cold calling, my disciplines. Right. Sure. And then I can help all my friends. I can help my Mike, Michael Young's and Hal Swayze's and all these guys who inspired me to become a top producer and to help them invest as well. So it's been fun, but without I you and your ability to analyze a deal, because my brain would melt. I couldn't do it. I, the, the, the underwriting and the analyzation that you do, um, I, you I'm just not going to, I'm calling you a savior <laughs> for a guy like me because I can analyze I'll, a duplex, but yeah, once it gets more than that, I don't know what all the variables are. So yeah. I'll admit I'm, it. I, I'm a nerd. Thank you for that good. compliment, but I, I'll admit it. I, I'm very nerdy. I, I'm a driver, good. but when it comes to multifamily, me and my partner, my partner has a master's in accounting, if that says anything. Yeah, that says a lot. And um, I was going to school for construction for uh, mechanical engineering. So it's pretty nerdy, but switched to uh, construction management. But yeah, so we get very nerdy every single day. We love numbers. We're buying a deal in Albuquerque right now where we figured out how to structure it, where we'll have a hundred percent of our investors money back after three years, which is an infinite return 
That's phenomenal. And I've been saying to Michael Young for the last two years, I just want to find one of those deals where we can make an infinite return. And we focus on these huge deals. We're always looking for the 300 unit deals, but where you get the infinite returns are on these, sometimes they're a little bit more work, but these 30 unit deals, these 20 unit deals, Okay. we finally found one. And so we had to get nerdy, but yeah, it's been good. Any last thoughts on coronavirus mindset, your real estate business, or, or anything that you want to talk to any maybe young realtors about or, or investors about? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is it, all of this takes time. You start, it's a process, whether it's building a real estate business or building a portfolio of income producing properties, you got to stub your toe now and then. And it's, that's how you learn, right? Yep. If you play sports and you're starting at basketball or golf, you're going to suck. Okay. When you get on a phone and with a script, you're going to suck. Yeah. I just, Hey, that's just part of the process. The difference is who sticks with it. That's where you make the difference. So give it the time you need. Okay. And then expand your horizons because it took me a while. I didn't get to a hundred till Mike started that thinking big group. And then I saw the model and I didn't know what it was. And for me, it was just going from, Oh, I keep taking 60, 70 deal listings a year. And that's how many deals I do. If I get to a hundred, I can do a hundred deals. And one year I got to 90 and still did 70 deals. And then I got to 110 and did 110 deals. And it's the first time I broke a million bucks. And, I went, and it was just, nice. that's all I had to do. And then I see, oh, okay, you can leverage with a few more people. So it's time and exposure. Those are the two big deals. I love it. I love yeah. it. And that's why I'm bummed there's not a superstar retreat because I learned so much just from hanging out with you at the breaks and listening to these superstars talk. I was going to say something though. Oh, the first time I met you was at a prospecting school. So that would have been 2013. How, how long okay. had, you, had you been in the business in the year 2013? 22 years? What, 91, so you're, 2001? So you're 20s plus years in the business and you're yeah. still going to these prospecting schools, getting critiqued by a coach. You're still working on your mindset. And, and so it does take time. And I was terrible. At, I literally read my first listing presentation. I read the FISBO script on the phone. Right. Went to their house. I read in front of them. I read the listing presentation, Mike Ferry script, first listing I ever took. And they said, yes, I don't know how <laughs> I was terrible. I was the right. most dry. And I still, I, I struggle with being very dry because I'm a driver and low, low emotion, but stick with it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Get a coach, get around Mike Ferry agents or top producers in the multifamily realm. I, I hang out with these guys that have billion dollar portfolios and it, it's crazy, but it's fun to think about as, at the same time. It's for lack of a better term, it's really thin air. I got a lot of friends and I like them as friends, but they're not people that are trying to go where I'm trying to go. Mm-hmm. And so they get caught up. And, and now with the flood of information between your phone and the internet and everything, it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole and just yeah. negativity. And, it really and I just don't like it when I hear the way people talk and all the stuff is like, you can't control this. You can't control that. You can control this and you control what your next thought is or the next thing you're going to do. Yep. And all of it is so it's overwhelming. I look at the news once in a while. I go, Oh my gosh. And then my yeah. friends talk about it. I go, I've got rich friends that are retired and they talk about all the, what if this happens or what if that happens? I go, I don't know. I yeah. don't even want to think. I don't even, I'm going to keep working. I'm just, yeah. Uh, I have food so, storage so and guns here in Utah. That's the nice thing about Utah. We have lots of guns and right. hunt, hunt our food down, I guess, if that's what it comes to, but uh, yeah, I'll be buying uh, it from you. <laughs> no, no problem. No, on the, the last thing I want to talk about mindset and exposing yourself to these big thinkers. I wrote on my notepad from the year 2013, 20, 
2013 to 2018 at every MFO event at the top on of every page, I wrote uh, make a million bucks or sell a hundred homes by 2018. That's awesome. And because of you and the other superstars on stage that I, and I would talk to you guys at the break and I did it and I grew up. So I, I got into real estate hoping to one day make a hundred thousand a year. Just oh, yeah, one day. Me too. If I when, <laughs> really, yeah, it's like, oh no, it's a hundred. I can, what? Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Un, uh, unfathomable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. my mother and father-in-law laughed at me when I said that. I, I was just like, man, if I could just one day make a hundred thousand a year, I'll right? be rich and all. Yeah. That'll be it. That'll be right? it. Good all right, you. man. Hey, it's been Thank really you. fun having you on. Really inspirational and just you're a great guy. 